I just, I have no tolerance for the real world. Well, good thing we're watching the unreal world. Uh. <laughs> Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 24, The Unreal World. Mary, what happened this week? Val is asked to pay her hotel bill, so she moves back in with the Walshes. She invites Dylan and Charlie to network with some movie people at her PPAD event. During the event, Dylan meets Charlie's former hypnotherapist, Dr. Molly Campbell. Then he gets a ride home from Val and bangs her after insisting how much he'd like their their relationship to remain platonic. They're not romance, I guess. (laughs) Val doesn't really like platonic. I now am just choosing to believe that Val got her hotel bill, realized she couldn't sex her way out of it and literally just moved out without paying it yeah she's just like well that was fun (laughs) and then peaced out yeah like she went down there had that conversation with mr brennan and -hmm. then was like oh yeah valid argument that i owe you money let me go get my credit card and then just left yeah because she was like literally trying to get out of it the whole time even trying to say like oh you should give me a discount to her discount it's she was trying to do everything she could to not pay this or at least pay a fraction of this. Yeah, my favorite part was she was like I I've never seen you harass any other hotel residents and they were like yeah, we do this discreetly. Like when someone went into your room, shut the door and then told you you owe us money. Yeah, exactly. Like that's not harassing. That's we're a step away from calling collections on your ass. <laughs> I know, right? And okay, so There was, like, a short break between the last episode and this episode. Um, It comes up in the Donna storyline. She mentions that she's been living with her parents for three weeks. Mm -hmm. So there's been three weeks since the last episode. And then assuming every episode before that was on a normal timeline, and this is the 24th episode, and Val moved in on the 20th episode, was that she's been in the hotel for less than two months and she's Mm -hmm. already out of money yeah she's already blown through it so much so fast I mean they talk about how she was going to the hotel to the boutique to the spa like this girl has never seen a budget manager before in her life well and even in her hotel room hotel room when you see her in the opening scene she's like surrounded by shopping bags and she's always ordering room service and all of that. So yeah, it's like she was not being shy about spending that money. I hope she bought her car just outright because she can't afford to make payments on that anymore. She's not going to be able to afford the insurance on that anymore. Well, that's true. And I think my favorite part of this is truly that like we see this whole thing with the hotel manager and then the only time Jim and Cindy are in this episode basically is when Cindy calls Jim and he's working late. It's dark outside And you just see Valerie moving boxes back in in the background. Yep. She's just casually, like, getting all her stuff out of her car, putting it back in, like, almost cheery. Like, she has, like, a smile on her face the whole time. 
she literally says like it feels so good to be home it's like i never left like I, there is no way that they ever actually talk about how she spent all of her money oh no not at all i mean even in this conversation like they're arguing not really arguing but they're just going back and forth about who was gonna punish her or who at least was gonna lay some ground rules like Cindy's like, well, I thought you were going to do it. And he, Jim may as well have said, I thought you were going to do it. <laughs> but instead, he says, oh, yeah, because you want me to be the bad cop. But we don't ever actually see him be the bad cop. Yeah, I think I would have loved, like, since they're having this conversation now, I almost would have loved it more if this was, like, the next day after breakfast. And Jim's like, well, Cindy told her this. And then Cindy's like, no, I thought you told her that. And then Brandon's yeah. like, there are no rules in this house and just leaves. Yeah, I mean – and that's a good segue because that next morning at breakfast, we see Brandon with Jim, which we'll get to all that is Brandon this episode. But oh, I know. <laughs> but basically, Jim even says, like, hey, I smelled something upstairs this morning and it sure wasn't incense. And Brandon doesn't, like, confirm or deny. So Jim knows it was pot, but even without Brandon's just noncommittal response – but still isn't going to do anything about it. This is just classic Jim and Cindy. <laughs> I do, like, Brandon really is a wall. She's like, I don't know. I just live here. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm just here sometimes. No rules. No punishment. Yeah. Nothing. And I guess, yeah, they do even say at that point that Val says she moved back because she was lonely. And then Brandon's like, well, I heard she spent all of her money. Which, where did you hear that? Yeah, how would you have heard that? I mean, you don't really talk to Dylan, and nobody else except Ray has really hung out with her. I guess David and Claire, but they're so oblivious and to at least her goings-on outside of the pee pad. Yeah, and Ray's been gone for a month, so presumably, like, no one is paying attention to Valerie. Right, exactly. Like, because, you know, we'll get to Claire and David later as well but it honestly seems like they don't even really want to be a part of the pee pad anymore yeah I mean which makes sense they're college students they've got stuff to do so yeah I think the next time we see Valerie is when we see Dylan and Charlie which you know we saw last episode Charlie had shown Dylan his script or a screenplay that he's working on um, and so Dylan and Charlie are now working on it. So they're actually like breaking it down. They're doing research. They're um, making it look nice, all that good stuff. And Val walks in, talks to Dylan, and Charlie, just like every other boy on this show, is immediately enamored by Val. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like, and they just get along. I don't know. I guess we got like this weird start with Charlie where he was abrasive, but now he's just like happy-go-lucky gets along with everyone guy. Because Val says she's throwing that sci-fi movie premiere and, like, names the director or something. Charlie's like, oh, my God, I know him. And Val's like, well, then you should totally come. Right. And really, Charlie, you can tell, is not that interested in the whole movie scene. He just uses it as a way to go hang out with Val. Because, like I said, he's immediately enamored by her, even though he knows a little bit about her from Dylan. Right. And, like, even Dylan, at the end of this scene, I couldn't really figure out what was going on with his face but he watches Val leave and I was like why are you doing that oh this boy is conflicted I mean she because this is literally like outside of drugs and alcohol Dylan's the biggest temptation I mean because she represents essentially everything that he shouldn't be doing 
right? Because he even mm-hmm. says later in the episode that like, you know, I forget ex- his his exact words, but it's something along the lines of like, oh, you just provide me with drugs and alcohol or tempt me with, you know, drinking and doing drugs or something like that. So it's like she's representative of everything that is bad in Dylan's life or at least is a temptation in Dylan's life. And he can't help but like be mesmerized, but also like rationally and logically know he shouldn't be around her. But yet (laughs) they end up, like Mary said, banging him anyway. Which, yeah. Is Charlie a bad friend? I think Charlie, it's hard to say. I think Charlie's a good friend, but he's still probably got his own vices to go through and we don't really know all that much about his background other than the fact that he was in rehab so he has you know a substance abuse issue but we don't know what else you know is going on with Charlie and we know that the only reason I can see where you're saying is he a bad friend is because he's like clearly not stepping in or not hearing Dylan when he's saying like no we need to like not do this that's what I mean like he knows about Valerie and like even what two weeks ago or two episodes ago so a month ago when Valerie like showed up at Dylan's with drugs and that's why he ended up going to see Charlie and yeah so as soon as he meets her Charlie should be like I totally understand the temptation and we're not going to go to that premiere yeah I mean I don't remember if Dylan actually said her name when he told her about the girl I think he did because when he went to go see Charlie, I think Charlie was like, oh, is it Valerie or Kelly? And then oh, Dylan that's was like, right. oh, both. Yep. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. Okay. Man, Valerie must just be hella charming or something. Because Dylan even says, like, after, you know, they get to the pee pad, they're at the premiere or whatever. Charlie's like, Val isn't half bad. And he's like, Dylan's like, yeah, she makes a good first impression. Because she does. I mean, and, like... The pee pad's success lately is truly evidence of that. She got the flaming lips. Now she's got a movie premiere. Mm-hmm. She, they got that uh, charity telethon. Like, <laughs> none of it makes any sense, but apparently they're doing good work. Yeah. Like, Val's booking all these events without their event bookers, David and Claire. Which I guess would then say, like, yeah, she blew through all of her money and couldn't stay at the hotel anymore, but I guess she's doing all right for herself. Yeah, who's cutting her paycheck at the pee pad? She is. She owns part of it. True. So at the premiere, when they first get there, yeah, Charlie and Dylan end up running into Dr. Campbell, which for the sake of her being named tells me that she's coming back and that Dylan is going to get into hypnotherapy, which does seem like very him right now. And I feel like two seasons ago, he'd have been like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Oh, 100%. I mean, the fact that like we talked about last episode that Charlie has brought in words like karma and, you know, things like that, which are things that Dylan's heard his entire life or at least as long as Iris has been into it. And now he's hearing it from a peer, you know, somebody he like trusts and who knows his past and at least, you know, his rehab stuff and all that. So maybe he's actually taking this to heart instead of just immediately dismissing it. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see Dylan go to a hypnotherapist, especially considering the like very vivid dreams he was having while he was in a coma. Oh yeah. 
And after they have this like brief introduction that I truly think is literally just to introduce Dr. Campbell to us so that she comes back later. Dylan and Val like talk for a minute and Val's like, don't leave without coming to see me first. And apparently he follows her orders <laughs> and then she gives him a ride home. Um, this was kind of weird for me just because like we've talked a lot on the show about, you know, consent and, and being, um, I don't know, cognizant of your partner and just a lot of stuff like that, especially dealing with some of our harder episodes with, you know, attempted rape and, and sexual assault and things like that. So I think it's time to talk about it the other way, right? From a woman to a man. Because let's face it, Val pushes buttons and she pushes limits and she pushes boundaries. And Dylan literally says he likes that they're platonic. And then, and then yeah. Val pushes. And I think, you know, this is probably us projecting our own opinions on these things. But I think that the fact that this was written in the 90s and like, you know, is of a different time. Like people didn't view women harassing men the same way. And so Mm -hmm. like Val constantly trying to use her body to get her way does hit differently in 2021 than it did in 1995. I think it even hits different, more, I don't think more differently is the right way to say this, but like it hits harder than the other way around. Like, because you know, it's, it's always, not always, I don't want to say, I'm using too many extremes here, but the patterns of sexual assault or coercion or whatever you want to call it from men to women has been pretty consistent over the years. The tolerance for it has certainly changed, but at least like what it looks like and how you portray it on a TV or movie screen has been pretty consistent. But yeah, to your point, it's like, this isn't really the Valerie to Dylan situation or just Valerie to really anybody. Cause we even saw her telling the hotel manager to get creative when it comes to her bill. It's totally viewed differently. This is almost like such a stark difference to, I think what, how we view it today. Cause like, again, I'm all for a woman being comfortable with her body and being extremely sex positive and all of that. I still would like to see consent and not forced consent. Yeah, it's kind of this thing of, like, what's Dylan going to do? Say no to her? Yeah, Rather than him, like, actually wanting this. Mm -hmm. I do think it's also very interesting that in this scene, Val calls Dylan one of her best friends. And I could also see an argument that, like, she is using her body to keep him around. Mm -hmm. Because she doesn't have anybody else. And this is some, like, her body is the currency that she knows how to use. Well, and I think that goes back to how you were saying, you know, when Dylan was like watching her leave at the peach pit, it's like, that's, that's the point. He's, she's got him enough to be interested and be conflicted. You know, she's like, she knows he's watching her. She absolutely knows. So to your point, it's like, she's doing this, these little things to just keep him interested, keep him around, keep him engaged, even if it's not necessarily the nicest way because he literally is like, I like the word platonic. And she goes, me too. And he's like, good. And then she's like, but I also, you know, want to be more. Or I forget exactly the words. And he goes, bad. But then does it anyway, which was a cute piece of dialogue. Cute in the sense that, like, I like the little call and response. But 
he doesn't want to do it, but he wants to do like I this is a very gray area for me. Yeah, no, I can totally get where you're coming from here. I mean, it does seem like this is a pattern that's going to continue with Val. Yeah. Like she is going to keep honestly using her body and kind of like pushing herself on people. And this show is going to be like Val's hot and she gets what she wants. And that's cool. And like to an extent it is cool, but it's like, yeah, that weird grayish consent where like, okay, but she pushed herself and then Ray cheated with her, but like he would, maybe he wouldn't have done that. And then like, Dylan was fine being platonic and she pushed him and now they're sleeping together. Like, it just seems like it's going to be a pattern that keeps continuing. Honestly, probably through the friend group. She kind of did it to Steve too. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that's the thing. Like Steve always wanted to sleep with her. That was never in question. So the consent was always there. However, she, she controlled when and when she didn't, when she did and when she didn't use it. Right. Like, she was waiting for a favor. She was waiting to be nice to him again. She was using the fact that he always wanted her as a way to get back into his life if she needed something. I mean, we saw that the night of the fire. Like, she upset him. She hurt him by sleeping with Dylan. And he got over it because at the end of the day, Steve still wants to sleep with her. Uh, we're going to have to touch on that. All again when we get to literally everybody else. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but I think, Mary, can you tell us what happened with Andrea and Jesse this week? Jesse finds a metaphor for his marriage to Andrea while out on a jog. A broken rocking chair, which will be like new again once they replace some parts. Andrea and Jesse have a really good time rebuilding the rocking chair, remembering how much they actually like doing stuff together when they're not swallowed up by stress. Andrea says she's been seeing a therapist about their marriage, and honesty is important. But before she can tell Jesse about Dr. Laundry, Jesse interrupts to be like, You're right, I cheated on you with Kansas Lawyer. I've obviously been so bad at hiding it. Oof. They were in like three minutes of this episode, and I have so many conflicting thoughts about them. Oh, yeah. No, it's, yeah. I, I want to hear them because I have less conflicting thoughts because I knew this was coming. But, yeah, hit me with them. I mean, I guess it's not conflicting thoughts, but it's like, it's a lot of thoughts for the amount of time they were on screen. Yeah, like, for sure. When did Andrea start seeing a therapist? Why didn't she tell Jesse she was seeing a therapist? How did their finances work that he didn't know she was seeing a therapist? And, like, the time – are they just, like, so oblivious to each other's schedules? Because, like, I know we live in a digital age, but John and I have a shared calendar, and I know pretty much everything he does just for the sake of it's on the calendar. Like, right. And, you know, when – she keeps trying to get up the nerve to tell Jesse about Dr. Laundry, and then he's like, oh, by the way, I had an affair. Like, I slept with the Kansas lawyer. I had a one-night stand. Is she going to tell him about Dr. Laundry? I'm sure we'll find out next episode, but I need to know right now. Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing is, like, you know, Jesse's actually been quite excellent at hiding this, right? Yeah. And it's his guilt that's, you know, making him – 
think like read into whatever Andre is saying, right? Because he has no idea that she's cheating on him and she has no idea that he's cheating on her and all of this. And I will say for as much as I've thought that Andrea and Jesse didn't have chemistry, seeing them happy together made me think, oh, wait, there's a reason we liked them when they started dating. You know, it kind of gave me these little flashbacks when Jesse was playing football. Was it football? Whatever he was doing. He was playing something outside. football? One of those. (laughs) A sport. And Andrea would go to the game. Softball. I think it was softball. Oh, yeah. I think you're right. And, you know, there are little dates, like meeting his family, like things like that. Like there's memories there. And and clearly I got sucked into this narrative of them trying to repair by remembering. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's just wild that we, like you said, we get, I think, three total scenes, right? We get the beginning of the metaphor. We get them, you know, engaging with each other and painting the rocking chair. They actually, like, have some intimacy where they start making out and all that stuff. And then the next morning, the bubble pops, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah, to your point, why didn't we know that Andrea was in therapy and why didn't we get those scenes? Right? Like, that's the thing that gets me is – I I feel like, unfortunately, I really think that this relationship is just not repairable. Like, unlike the rocking chair, they cannot put a new coat of paint on it and it's good as new. Right. Like, the idea that she was secretly seeing a therapist, which I feel like presumes she's either hiding something from Jesse or worried about what Jesse's going to think about the fact that she's seeking therapy, which... Anybody that listens to this show knows that we advocate for therapy pretty much every episode, if not every other episode. hmm And, like, yeah, the idea that they were working on this rocking chair together and having such a good time, but, like, anytime they're under a lot of stress, which when you're a doctor and your husband is a lawyer and you're 18 with a baby is going to be a lot of time and they're not handling it well, like – I have a lot yeah. of feelings. I know. I know. And and all of them, all the feelings that you're probably feeling are almost probably centered around the fact that we have so little information, right? Like we just got this bombshell dropped on us by Jesse. We never even saw him. We saw him one time when he was not in California, right? And it was just him over the phone. Mm-hmm. And he you was know, in we've... his hotel room by himself. Exactly. We've seen Andrea pretty much only with Dr. Laundry or talking to Dylan about it. And that's about it. There was a couple of other small scenes with her in them, but for the most part, there's just a lot of missing pieces to kind of see this crumble. And the, then, yeah, the times we've seen Jesse and Andrea together, they've been fighting. Um, they're not spending time with each other. They're fighting with Hannah in the room, like all of that stuff. So when we get to this like bombshell scene and the fact that we don't get to see the payoff is definitely a cliffhanger moment, right? Like that's for next week, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, cue voice over here, but I'm worried that Andrea is just going to throw this in, in his face and she's going to get off scot-free. I am also very worried about this because like, she was so worried about telling the truth and then finding out that he also was not truthful. Like I I have very little faith in Andrea as a character anymore that she's going to do the right thing. 
that's the problem with Andrea. It's been such a character annihilation since they gave her a baby at 19. Mm-hmm. And I'm not faulting the storyline. Like, I think you can have that storyline. That That is a realistic um, and relatable storyline. I think that happens so often, and that story is not often told. I think the challenge is, is you've not given us any way to redeem Andrea. You know, like, I, I think it's totally fine to have a storyline where you lose yourself when you become a young mother mm-hmm. um, and your other dreams seemingly go away. That's absolutely great and, and fine, and we're here for it. I think the challenge is, is since that point, Andrea sort of hit rock bottom last week, right? Because she found out that Dr. Laundry didn't want to be with her like that. Mm-hmm. So this was supposed to be the fallout from that. And we hear things like, I'm going to therapy. How long have you been going to therapy? A day? Has it been the last three weeks? Because that would have been great information to know. So I think it's like we need a reason to root for her again. And we don't have it. Because now they've opened the door to say, hey, your husband's also cheating on you. And you didn't say anything. And he did first. So you can be mad at him. They've given permission for her to just be mad instead of admitting fault, using her her literal therapist words by saying, uh, what did she say? Um, how how uh, essential honesty is to the marriage, right? Because now pff, the marriage is blown up. She doesn't have to be honest anymore. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really interesting that I don't know, maybe it's because they're married that we're viewing this a little bit differently, but like I'm trying to remember how we viewed it in the past when like Brenda and Dylan kept cheating on each other and they would like come clean on it and we were just like, just break up. And now we're just like, Andrea's been assassinated. I think it would be different if we didn't know if if okay. I think it would be different for Brenda and Dylan if we didn't know them to be pretty chaotic human beings, right? Like That's fair. We've been taught that Andrea is the overachiever. She is the moral compass, you know, and to some degree. She, you know, knew what to say to Brandon to make him run for president or, or keep running Multiple for president times. or whatever. Multiple times. She has even been there for Dylan in time Dylan in times that we he needed somebody and nobody else was there, right? Like we've seen her kind of be, <laughs> I hate to say this, but like the mother figure of the group, you know, whether it's because she's oldest or just other, you know, she's just been that kind of voice of reason. So now when she's no longer being that, we don't know what to do with her. We don't know if she should stay with Jesse and be honest with him and have them work on their marriage, or we don't know if they should get, just get divorced and end it, or we don't even know if she should be on the show at this point. You know, if you really think about it, what is her purpose? They haven't really, there's been no indication that she's going to get this kind of redemption arc, in my opinion. So what do we do? What What do we think? What, where can she go from here? Whereas with Brenda and Dylan, they've always been chaotic. They've always, and the fact that they are pretty much honest with each other from day one about their cheating, at least not the Kelly stuff, but the other but stuff. But then the Kelly stuff did blow up and like, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just a little difference in characters that this is just so off the wall for her. Whereas with Brennan and Dylan, not that it, you know, and now I'm kind of contradicting myself because I'm thinking like I'm holding them to different standards. And that's that's what I was thinking. That's a me problem. 
But I don't know. I think the show holds Andrea to a different standard. Yeah. Also, we're also thinking about Brenda and Dylan as like a teenage high school relationship, whereas Andrea and Jesse are – they're in their first adult relationship pretty much. They're married with a kid and like, yeah, they're still young, but yeah, it's it's a more adult relationship than when you're 16. Stakes are higher. Yeah. And the thing is, I feel like the show could do something interesting to like redeem Andrea's character and like redeem her and Jesse's relationship. I just think like, I think TV, you could do that. I think this might be the wrong show when six of the other characters this week did a fake the real world. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. It's almost like it's almost like Andrea, the character has outgrown the show, which mm-hmm. is weird to even think about because it's created for the show, you know? Right? But like, yeah, maybe she should have gone to Yale. <laughs> Why didn't you go to Yale? <laughs> also, totally unrelated, but when you were talking about how we kind of see Andrea as like the mother figure, and, like, yeah, part of it is because she's older and the way they dress her is very momish. Mm-hmm. But did you see that nighty in that last scene? Girl, I was like, okay, like, where has right? this been? <laughs> when she was, like, putting eggs on the plate, I was like, oh, girl, you look good. I don't know. Just kept riding up, up, up. I'm like, hey, this is on broadcast television. Andre's got legs. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that really is, like, I feel like there were other cliffhangers in this episode, like Val and Dylan sleeping together again. You know, we'll get to what happens in the real world ripoff. But like this one, I am definitely the most interested in is like what's going to happen to Andrea and Jesse. Yeah. I mean, we've been waiting for this like a shoe to drop at some point for so long. Yeah. I. We'll just have to see what happens next week with them. But. Truly, we have to talk about the unreal world. Mm-hmm. David and Claire have found a lovable weirdo named Tuck who has roommates they plan to follow around with a camera for their real-life video essay, except Tuck's roommates are mad at him and change their mind. David switches up the cast list. Donna is Scarlett, the English musician. David is Andy, who is in love with her. Both hers. Both hims, too. You get what I'm saying. Kelly is Trish, a girl who loves to party. Steve is Todd, I think. I was distracted by the cowboy outfit and tragic backstory. Claire is good old negative and uptight Beth, leaving Brandon to play Tuck, who, when reduced to a type, loves bicycles and disrespect. Filming goes about as well as you'd expect it to, especially when Steve used real alcohol to spike some watermelon. Instead of the scenes they scripted, David and Claire end up with a whole lot of raw footage of their friends being real and also footage of several reasons why they should break up. I could deal with like eight of these episodes. (laughs) I know, right? Like, I don't know what it is about actors acting as their character, acting as another character. Just make me so happy. But every time I see it, I'm like, when shows get meta like that, I love it so much. Like, it's not my core of the week, but when David eventually tells Steve that he's overacting, <laughs> it just felt too real. Uh, honestly, my favorite part of all of this was Donna's accent. Oh, God. It was 
so bad. And no one said anything the whole oh, I know. time. They were just like, I, close enough. I was half expecting to catch Jenny Garth break character. Because she, you know, laughing at her. Because we've almost seen her smirk for less <laughs> than what Donna was giving. <laughs> I loved it so much. And I loved, like, as the show progressed, Steve got more and more cowboy. He was the best one. Well, okay, Brandon was the best one. But he was uh, Todd for longer than Brandon was Tuck. Okay, when Brandon is Tuck, and then Tuck actually just walks into the beach (laughs) apartment, which, like, you can't just walk into somebody else's apartment. And Donna makes that whole speech about how they have a house alarm. You'd think they'd lock their doors now. Nope, but... When Tuck walks in and Brandon just stands next to him giggling the whole time. The whole time. Like, I'm almost thinking they told Jason Priestley to only laugh when the camera was on him. But he's like, nah, I'm just going to laugh the whole time. <laughs> it was so fun. He's just sitting there giggling and Tuck is getting madder and madder and being like, you're dead, Silver. And then Brandon just goes, <laughs> you're dead, Silver. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, masterclass in acting by Jason Priestley. <laughs> it was so fun. Oh my gosh. Let's start at the beginning. Yes, because like literally the first thing that introduces this is that Val is calling Claire um, and saying that the film company decided to use the club tomorrow night for the premiere party, but Claire and David cannot help because they have this project. Said project is what we've been talking about this documentary mockumentary whatever you want to call it project uh for their communications class and what's weird about this is like while claire's on the phone we see all of a sudden felice just pops in out of nowhere (laughs) and okay so there were like deli trays out and you could see like there was claire then the bar with the deli trays then felice and i was like why are there deli trays why is felice here what is happening I know she was a, it was a super shock to see her and we find out she's there because essentially Donna's moving back into the beach apartment, which I was a little confused by because she was living at her mom's house and now after three weeks she's back in the beach apartment. But Donna does say like she feels like she has to kind of, you know, come back and face things and she has to move on and get over things, especially now that she's got a car alarm, a house alarm pepper spray license which i didn't know that was a thing or Same. mace license or whatever but no doberman though doesn't she have rocky too i wrote that down i was like where is rocky too <laughs> literally just having a dog in the house can be a deterrent yeah like did they just forget <laughs> that they gave donna a dog <laughs> i think they did i'm pretty sure rocky too is to donna as steve's cell phone is to steve mm. Because he only has it when he doesn't fucking need it. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, poor Rocky, too. Just pour one out for him real quick. (laughs) I mean, considering how Felice has handled other things, I feel very confident that she just, like, gave the dog away and was just like, what, Donna? You have to understand, I offered the dog $10,000 to leave you, and he (laughs) took it. He had an opportunity. What can you, you can't blame him. (laughs) So Felice goes to leave and she thanks David and she's like, oh my God, I almost wish you were still living at the beach apartment. So Donna is like, mom, what are you up to? You never liked David living in the beach apartment. And Felice is like, well, yeah, he might be with Claire, but he cares about you. It's all over his face. 
pan over to David, who is just holding a giant handful of carrots. <laughs> and just, just snacking on them. Just staring at the camera. And I was like, am I supposed to be falling in love with this little boy holding a handful of carrots? <laughs> no, because he's still got that dumb haircut. And that stupid facial hair. <laughs> but yeah, so apparently Felice is Team David now, even though she never has been in the past. I think it's just because she's not Team Ray. She's so anti-Team yeah. Ray, which... So I can only assume Jamie Walters was, like, doing something with his career, and that's why they, like, wrote him out to go on this tour. Like, Mm -hmm. he actually did have an album come out in 2014, or 2014, oh my goodness, uh, (laughs) 1994. So I wonder if he was, like, on tour with that. Yeah, could have been. I feel like this is also character assassination to Ray that Donna gets violently attacked in her apartment, and he does not come home to see her. Right, right. Or that we don't even know if he actually knows about it or not. Yeah, as soon as, like, they were saying things and Donna was like, Ray is still in the picture. And I was like, that's a good point. Where is Ray? Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about how fans can't, like, separate actors and characters. And, like, this is – Ray is just going downhill so fast. And I feel really bad about it. Yeah, like, I would feel less bad if – or, hold on. I would feel – I would feel better about it if he hadn't already cheated on Donna and just mm-hmm. tried to, like, Irish goodbye his way out of it, but then had to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, it still sucks for Jamie Walters. He's like, bruh, I came on this show because it would give me good publicity, and now people hate me. <laughs> Donna should also be very hurt by this. She is handling all of this so very well, and, like, mm-hmm. that makes me happy, but, like, also, like a little worried that we did a whole like assault for sweeps week and are just like she's over it now three weeks is enough time to handle your grief I know and like the PTSD of being in your own bedroom at night yep but it doesn't matter because like we have to keep going with this real world story and Claire and David drive up to campus they're they like run into Tuck who Claire can't stand, and they're like, oh, yeah, we start this whole project tomorrow, and the Tuckster <laughs> says that that won't fly because his roommates are mad at him. Which doesn't make sense, but okay, that's fine, whatever. And then this essentially causes Claire, because she already hates Tuck, and because she essentially like has to tie all this up together herself and you know is control- not controlling in a way that she's very type A, all mm-hmm. that. This causes her to get mad at David for not doing the one job that she probably gave him to do. Secure the location. Make sure that the folks that we signed up to do this are all in. Um, And she says something that I very much identify with. She's like, you know what? There's a reason why I'm a control freak. And that is because everyone in this world seems to be a flake. And now I don't exactly think that everyone's a flake. But it's one of those situations where what she means by that is... I can't control how other people do it, so I'm just going to do it myself. And I know how I do things. I can't trust other people. And that is, like, most of the way that I feel about when I work with people. I'm like, no, 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 I'll just do it. Because I know my work. I know when I'm going to get it done. I know how I'm going to get it done. So that's probably a flaw in my personality. But, hey, I feel seen by Claire. (laughs) I mean, I think the thing is, like, we have seen historically that, like, David doesn't put all these things together. Like, Claire is the one that's actually making all this stuff happen. I mean, 
she says here that she wrote a 20-page proposal for this video. And, like, David's plan B, later. it comes much later in the episode, but at one point, aren't they like, isn't he going to recognize us if we're in the video and we're in his class? Like, <laughs> David's plan B is bad. It's essentially just, like, luck. His plan B is like, mm, eh, we'll figure it out. It's fine. It'll all work out. I'll wear glasses. No one will recognize me. David has watched it's, too much Superman. It's a wonderful disguise. Just ask every Superman show, every Supergirl show that's ever been made. <laughs> I'm just going to put something over my eyes and then change my voice and you will never know it's me. Yep. The only thing he doesn't do, though, is change his hairstyle, which he should have. He should have. His teacher is going to be too distracted by the tape holding his glasses together, <laughs> but also the safety pin. I saw oh. the safety pin and I was like, is that really a thing? Yeah, that was the first time I noticed that. Right? So, yeah, Claire storms off really mad. She is she comes back up to the beach apartment later. David's waiting for her and she's like, honestly, don't even say anything. I'm going to take an incomplete because I would rather drop a class than get a bad grade. Yeah. And I find that I find that interesting because like I don't know how college was back in the mid 90s, but you had to drop it at a certain point and you would get like a I don't remember what the phrasing was, but like either you could and it was fine or you could and it wasn't fine. Mm -hmm. Um but Claire's banking on the fact that she's done well enough at this point to be able to drop the the class and it's fine. Yeah, I have to assume that this is just like a uh she can take it later and replace the grade or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. But we go inside to find that they have exactly the same number of friends that Tuck had of roommates. And Perfect. therefore, all of their friends are just going to improvise and pretend they're Tuck and his roommates. I and love it. I loved it so much. And like Mary already went through the cast, so I'm not totally going to repeat it except for when Claire says that she has to play Beth who is negative and uptight and David goes oh I know it's the whole typecasting thing <laughs> which I laughed at I mean it was a dick thing to say but I did laugh at it so I think that's the thing is like the little zingers I kind of have to laugh at because if I don't then I remember how David used to treat Donna and I get really sad exactly but luckily we don't have to focus on that for too too long because Brandon nails the like valley accent or whatever and I'm not even gonna repeat it because it won't do it justice I can't like I want to but I'm not going to because it just I can't do as well as Jason Priestley did as this character right I like kept listening to Jason Priestley and then also to uh Donna's British accent just <laughs> like trying to be like can I repeat these for the podcast and I just can't do it like Donna's is so bad and Brandon's is so perfect. Yeah, it's like they're on either ends of the spectrum to where if we were to try to repeat them, <laughs> it would – yeah, it just wouldn't work out. It wouldn't. And but you're get, just going to have to watch the episode and and just hear or just look it up on YouTube. I'm sure it's there. And truly, you should. Like, even if you have watched this episode so many times, you should just go rewatch it right now. Like, just pause. Go look it up. We'll wait and then come back. Yeah. So there's one little scene that night where Claire is trying to script the whole day the next day because she's a control freak and type A and blah, blah, blah. 
and wants to make sure that they have everything ready. And she's like scripting things that seem real, like getting an argument over somebody eating your food or leaving your kitchen a mess, which is totally true. I still remember my sophomore year roommate who would cook and she'd cook like really good stuff, but then she wouldn't clean it up. So she'd leave collard greens on the stove and then leave for the weekend. Oh, man. Yeah. Classic like college uh, confrontation. Yeah. it. I still remember it. And that was over a decade ago. <laughs> but yeah, like Claire's wanting to go through all that and make sure we have everything. Then she has the idea that like, you know, the professor might recognize them. But then David kind of says like, well, what about my ideas? We do use your ideas when they're good. Right. And then she kind of proves it by saying, whose idea was it to have David play the guy who has a crush on Donna's character? Which he then proves her point by saying, good night, Donna. Because he's so sleepy and, and has fallen asleep or almost asleep. And then Claire's like, um, what now? And then Claire storms out. David has the audacity to say, what did I do? <laughs> I just love the idea of other people in his dorm, like, getting ready to go to bed. They're, like, laying in bed reading or, like, doing some late night studying. And all of a sudden, they just hear David Silver, the kid who just showed up this semester, be like, what did I do? I I'm feel like. It. I'd immediately go to my door and be like, is there a fight? Can I, <laughs> Can hear, I it? hear it? <laughs> so the next morning, we get a brief scene at the Walsh's. Brandon and Jim are talking about Valerie. But first, Brandon comes down in this like aloha surfer suit shirt with a tie-dye underneath. And he starts speaking in like his surfer lingo and then he says i'm no brenda walsh but i think i'm getting i'm getting the hang of playing someone obnoxious which i was like is that meta so like if you replace brenda walsh with shannon doherty <laughs> because they all hated her i i don't know but i did like the comment because yeah like obviously brenda's an actress and she's trying to make it as an actress and brandon's just like yeah this is pretty easy <laughs> And I love the idea that he's, they're just like, there's an acting gene in the Walsh's and like Brandon has never had to use it before, but now he's just like, I kind of like this. This is fun. <laughs> I also am just putting it into my own headcanon that when they all found out they were doing this, half of them called Brenda to be like, can you give me some tips? What does the British accent sound like, Brenda? And that's why it's so bad because Brenda's accents were so bad. Oh, man, I love that idea, especially for Kelly's portrayal of Trish, too, because she nails it. Like, I think besides Brandon as Tuck and to an extent Steve, like she's one of the better ones, mostly because she goes method with it and gets drunk. So, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe she was just like, OK, yeah. And just yeah, kept eating watermelon. I mean, honestly, they wanted real. They're getting real. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, we've also seen that Kelly has, like, self-image issues, so I bet getting drunk and, like, pretending to be a Valley party girl, like, was easier and also much more fun to do than, like, having to do it just by yourself. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, even when we see, like, at the beach apartment when David's setting the scene with Kelly, Claire, and Donna, they have no script, they have to improvise, like, 
we start to hear Donna's accent. We hear Steve's Southern accent. And it's like we see all of them start to build up these characters. And, yeah, they don't have a script, which is kind of interesting. They're, I guess they're just told, like, say this, say this, say this, and go. And they have to cut because David says that Steve's overacting as Todd, which is hilarious that there's anything to overact about because there was no script. <laughs> I know. It was the first scene, and David has just decided, like, we never decided what acting was, but this is not it. Yeah, exactly. And what's even better is like Steve gets a phone call. So he's taken out of the scene for a second. And Claire accidentally, they, they, they start rolling again. And Claire accidentally calls Steve by Steve and not Todd. So they have to cut again. But then Claire grabs the camera when he she overhears Steve's cell phone or regular phone my bad com conversation because once they're off the phone steve says that that was celeste and she's getting married yeah and i love that everyone was like oh to that guy she met in hawaii and he's like no someone <laughs> else someone else he's a navy guy they've only known each other for three months and they're getting married before he goes back to the navy or whatever so the next scene that they start filming is uh first of all it is scene four take 20 made nice. me giggle and donna is quote unquote playing the keyboard and david is wearing his broken glasses and just like staring lovingly at her and it is so obviously like a recording of moonlight sonata mm -hmm. and then she like picks up her hands to fix her hair and she's like oh oh no i'm still playing <laughs> i'm just like i just love it i I love all of it. I think the most like unreal world, real world shot that they got was Steve as Todd filling up the watermelon with vodka because he's like, I'm going to play a little pl prank on Trish and like starts pouring the vodka in the watermelon and then hides it <laughs> when like Tuck comes in and like all that kind of stuff. So that was probably the most authentic, which was great because that is actually something Steve would do. I loved it so much when he goes to hide it with his arm and you can very clearly still see the bottle of vodka. Yep, but if, like, Kelly entered in from, you know, his other side, she probably wouldn't see it. I wrote in my notes that this wasn't Steve acting. This was just Steve being Steve with an accent. Exactly. I mean, this is cowboy to, Steve. To be fair, so, like, you know, Real Tuck comes in, starts yelling, Brandon stands there laughing. Claire is convinced. She's like, I knew something was going to go wrong. And David's like, let me go talk to him. I will fix everything. And then regular Steve, not cowboy Steve, tells Kelly that he really spiked the watermelon. And she's just like, mm, yeah, and keeps eating. And he's like, should have gone with Everclear. Which, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like – he has told everyone now. He's like, don't eat this. It is spiked. And she's still like went for it. And he's like, well, if we have to do this all day, we might as well be hammered. Exactly. He's, he's like, well, I guess it's vodka. But man, we should have gone with the real bad shit and just get everyone absolutely hammered by noon. <laughs> Which is hilarious that the fake storyline was that he was pouring vodka into his orange juice and having screwdrivers and like some random day at home with like a bunch of sober people so he was supposed to have a drinking problem and then like he does proceed to get the entire cast and crew drunk yep then we get like 
a weird scene because like Donna's just talking again mm-hmm. to no one. And I guess she's it's doing supposed a to be confessional. Like, yeah, she's doing a confessional, the talking head, whatever. And it's so bad, but she uses the word proletariat. And David's just giggling the whole time. And then she's like, oh, I've never used that word before. And he was like, no, 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 that was perfect. And apparently, this is when David tells Donna, because now they've like cut or whatever, and now it's just David and Donna, Tuck was going to sue them? On what grounds? Right. Like, for what exactly? Like, telling them they could be in the thing and then not doing right. it? I <laughs> defamation like it doesn't seem like he was doing anything no he was literally be like brandon was literally being exactly like tuck i don't know how you could even say that was like defamation (laughs) yeah but apparently he will not sue them if david does a documentary on mountain biking and lets tuck star in it which i feel like if tuck actually had grounds to sue that this is the easiest way to get out of it because that just means david has to sit there and listen to him talk for two hours and like film him just like riding his bike around for an hour and a half and be like we got all the footage we need yeah we're and good then, we're good and then yeah like oh it never sold it didn't go anywhere but i filmed it i'll call you don't call me yeah like here's the raw footage bye yeah and they're chatting in donna's room and she kind of like has a moment where she remembers the last time the two of them were alone in her room and it like definitely freaks her out and so david goes to comfort her and meanwhile, out in the living room, Kelly's getting real drunk. <laughs> yeah. Is this when she just yells in Brandon's uh, ear? Yeah. She's like, talk, 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 talk. Does that bother you? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember if that's here or the next scene, but I remember her doing that. Yeah. No, I, okay. Look- it's, it's the next scene. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I just wrote that Kelly is getting really drunk off watermelon because, mm-hmm. like, Claire has to go get something else or get more videotape or whatever. And this is where she sees they've got monitors set up all over the house, which is hilarious to me. Mm -hmm. But she sees Donna and David hugging and then like doing that weird friend kiss they do. But then Donna and David start real kissing and Donna Mm -hmm. has to put a stop to it. Right. And at this point, which, you know, we will absolutely get to this because it is a big catalyst in this entire episode. But I was like, no, like no more cheating. <laughs> Seriously, I did not expect that to really come up the way it did in this episode. And honestly, like, I would not want to cheat on Claire. She scares me. Yeah, she is dangerous because she's so smart, because she's so determined, because she's so like, I have no problem cutting all ties with you and being mean to you. Like, she's very much that girl. Right. Like, I, to be fair, I wouldn't want to cheat on anybody because that's just not my thing. But, like, Claire legitimately scared. Like, Claire is, like, Valerie scary in the way of, like, I do not want to cross you because you are too much smarter than me and I will come to regret it. It's so weird. Yeah, you say that Claire and Valerie are very similar and they are. It's just in a very different way. Like, you know, it's... Valerie can be two-faced, right? Mm -hmm. But she's very secure in who she is. Claire is also very secure in who she is, but she only, like, gives off her, like, her one true authentic self and is just like, screw you if you don't like it. I am me, and this is all. It's just a very aggressive one true self. Yeah, she's very direct and blunt, and she doesn't care. 
yeah, like Val pretends that she doesn't have that and that's her other side. But Claire is just like, no, this is me. And like she's not going to go to the lengths that Valerie does. But yeah. she's also not going to pretend to be nice to you to your face. Exactly. Exactly. quite literally the next thing we see is Claire's <laughs> filming Donna and David dancing together by themselves while everyone else is sitting there. And she's like, I'm bored. This is dumb. And then makes David film her and Steve dancing together. And then she just goes like right for it and starts kissing Steve. And of course, Steve is the perfect one to do that with because he's just like, whoa. Well, all right then. (laughs) I don't remember what he says later, but he was like, that was great. Sorry. Yeah. He's like, oh, cool. Oh, my bad. Like (laughs) very Steve like, like, yeah, I'll take that. But then, oh, wait. Yeah, I guess she is dating David. I feel like he's like, oh, that was like real and not pretend. Right, right. Like it dawned on him. Yeah. Yeah. And the only reason she stops making out with him is because the phone is ringing and everyone's so weirded out by her kissing Steve. She's like, all right, fine. I'll go get it. Yep. Turns out it's Jackie calling for Kelly and she tells Kelly that she's going to have Mel ask Mel to move back in with her and Kelly loses it. She goes off, and I wrote it all down. She says, in her drunken state, but no less accurate, what is with you guys? What, what is, why are you always letting us down? Why is it so impossible to be faithful? I mean, Mel cheated on Jackie, right? You had Emily. She points to Brandon. Might I add, this is the first time she has addressed the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. David, being like his father, had Ariel. The examples are endless. And then I thought, pot, meat, kettle? I know, right? I was like, oh, you were also on the other, like, you were on that side of the thing. Which, like, don't get me wrong. I think the boys needed to be called out because, mm-hmm. of course, this is this is what we do on this podcast is we call them out all the time for cheating. We're like, what is with the infidelity? But... Um, that's what she says. She didn't say faithful. She says, why is it so impossible to be? No, she did. Yeah, yeah she said she faithful. Says... Okay. Yeah. Said the word infidelity and I'll, I'll, suddenly like my brain turned to mush. <laughs> well, because then she keeps going like Donna is like, well, Ray hasn't cheated on her. And all of the viewers are like tugging on their collars like, oh, we should mm-hmm. see ourselves out. Yep. And then Steve. <laughs> Steve should have shut his mouth because she would not have turned on him if he hadn't said anything. But he goes. Well, I didn't cheat on you. And she's like, you did cheat on Celeste. Okay, bye-bye. And that's probably why she's marrying a frog man. Like, and, and that's the thing. And like when Donna says Ray hadn't cheated on her, Kelly thinks that she has a side piece or he has a side piece. I know. And like, she's not wrong. Our girl's intuitive. Our girl knows. <laughs> it, it's wild to me how smart she can be sometimes. Yeah. And yeah, she storms off. And then Brandon goes... Thanks for such a great time, Silver. Like, it's David's fault that Kelly got upset and not Jackie's fault. Right, right. Like, clearly, Kelly was triggered by whatever Jackie said and the fact that she's drunk. So everything was heightened. And she's not wrong. Like, nothing she said was inaccurate or anything. It's just she failed to mention, like, I mean, I even cheated with, you know, Dylan on my best friend. Like, whatever. Like, that would have been... Maybe a good thing to say, just to at least acknowledge that this group cannot be faithful to one another, but I get the point. And I actually kind of love that it was Kelly because she's the most intuitive out of the group, I guess. 
Honestly, same. And even like this next scene where like Kelly has stormed out and she's in her room and David's like, oh, we should just call this. This has been a total disaster. I don't want to do this anymore. And then Donna says that it failed because their real personalities kept coming through. And then Claire is just like, oh, let's keep this going. Mm -hmm. And she calls out how David has been looking at Donna all day. She asks David point blank. He's like, she's like, do you still love Donna? And this is when Steve is just like, oh, this is good. (laughs) This is my moment. (laughs) I love that he's sitting there and they're all doing all this stuff. And he's just like, I'm going to save the day by recording all of this. (laughs) They're going to get an A on this project. (laughs) Which like, yeah, they probably will. But I don't think they want to rewatch this. Yeah, definitely not. And What's crazy is that then David does admit in front of God and everyone that he still has feelings for Donna. And then Claire weirdly admits that she still wants to be with Brandon. That felt a little off to me. Like, right. I could understand her still having a crush or thinking Brandon's cute or something like that, but not straight up like, yeah, I'd rather date him than you. Like. (laughs) They literally never went anywhere. He turned her down so many times. And then when he finally gave in, Kelly showed up. And I mean, this whole thing is to go back to the idea that they get to later of like when the other per- when you break up with someone, uh, no, when someone breaks up with you, you never really get over that person. You always right. think about the road not traveled. Which, I mean, to be fair, I think there's a lot of truth to that, you know, because it wasn't you ending the relationship. Like, it got ended for you, whether or not you were ready for it to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting, like, turn that this episode took. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it just, they start all talking about, like, oh, yeah, I do feel that way. And then, like, you know, Jesse and Andrea are off doing something completely different. And you know that Andrea has spent at least some time thinking, like, well, what would have happened if Peter and I had left? And like, instead I have this. Right. Exactly. And I mean, meanwhile, Kelly is still super drunk. Um, but we get some very real talk from Kelly because we get some things acknowledged that honestly, I thought we'd never get payoff on. I know. Um, this is something that we've talked about of where like we said that you know, Kelly is going to hold it against Brandon for not being there on the night of the fire. And Brandon is going to feel guilty because of what he did. Right. And here's so, Yeah. Cause finally Kelly says you weren't there when I needed you the most. And then Brandon doesn't really act like he doesn't know what she's talking about, but you know, she, he lets her spell it out. She's like, I'm talking about the fire night. When you Which, were with Emily. I say, that is a very Brandon thing to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then her be like, all right, fine. I will tell you what it is. Right. And then he and- says, I already apologized for that. And she, this was my favorite part is when she goes, what'd you do that you have to be sorry for? Yeah. And then what does Brandon say there is that she's talking in non sequiturs? I don't remember. Cause I know then she's like, I think I deserve to know what happened between you and Emily while I was trapped. And Brandon's like, yeah. we didn't sleep together. We just kissed goodbye. And then he says, Emily is in France and I'm here with you. And that's all that matters. And like, no, it's not. Well, and just like Kelly says, she doesn't, she wants to believe Brandon. 
I would like to believe Brandon too, but I don't. The thing is, I feel really bad for Kelly. I feel like if all of her boyfriend's ex-girlfriends weren't in Europe, she wouldn't have boyfriends. Oh, man, that's a good point. Like, yeah, because what kind of answer is that? Like, just because Emily's not here and you are? Like, this is just a relationship of convenience? That's what I mean. Like, literally, she's not right in front of you, which, I mean, we've also had the argument that Dylan chose Kelly because Kelly showed up. True. That's true. Relationships of convenience. Kelly's the one who's there, and the other people that these boys want are not there. Yeah, this is wild. Right. But then it, like, gets into this whole thing where Kelly says that she thinks about a future with the two of them, and Brandon's like, I can also imagine spending my whole life with you. And, like, that's how that conversation ends. Yeah, I mean, definitely they're trying to go the whole like, oh, this is a big moment, monumental moment in their relationship because they're acknowledging that this is more serious than just a college relationship. Um, but oh, one of them fell asleep, like classic, classic plot point. But I, as much as I still don't believe that Brandon didn't sleep with Emily, I still think that this is probably the best match out of any of the relationships we've seen thus far is Brandon and Kelly. And I feel a little conflicted right now because not because I think, not because I know Brandon's lying, but because I'm fearful that he's lying. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, honestly, same. Like I love Brandon and Kelly together. And the thing is, I know this show and Emily Valentine showing up and just being like, I don't have a four-hour connection. It's actually a four-week layover. Like, something like that is going to come up again. And it makes me worried because, like, yeah, Brandon can see the two of them together. And I can see the two of them together. But maybe it takes us a couple more seasons to actually get there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they almost have, like, man. They almost have, like, a Zach and Kelly vibe from Saved by the Bell which is mm. kind of funny because Kelly Kapowski is paid, played by Tiffany Amber Thiessen. But they took, you know, a roundabout way to get to Endgame 2. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, it was in a comedy, not a drama, but still, I just get that kind of vibe where it's like wholesome boy, wholesome girl eventually end up together. Um, I just wish, I just wish I could trust him, even if she says like eventually like, she would have to stop thinking that way if she couldn't trust him. So at some mm-hmm. point she actually admits that she does trust him because she has these very like real feelings for him. I'm also a little bit scared that by the time they actually do like truly become endgame, that we're not going to want them together anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I know that Donna and David are supposed to be like a huge thing and I don't want them together. I mean, Maybe it'll be different now that David's a different person, but he still cheated on her because she's a virgin. And literally in this next scene, she says, my biggest fear is that being a virgin will cost me every relationship like David. He has started a pattern in her life of her being hurt. Yep. And I don't want it. Yeah, there's got to be a lot of growth to happen for these two. And I... it feels like they're trying to lay that groundwork. Like even mm-hmm. if they don't put them together again right away, they are at least putting building blocks together so that they can eventually get to the place where they need to be in order to be in a healthy relationship together. That's what it feels like. Um, 
even to the point where, you know, David attempts to apologize and Donna's just like, you don't have to say anything. I, I know. Yeah, but let's also talk about the fact that he literally just cheated on his current girlfriend with Donna. So, like, he hasn't actually grown out of the behavior, even if he feels bad about it. Well, yeah, because, I mean, once a cheater, always a cheater. So all these folks are cheaters. True (laughs) story. And, yeah, in this scene, there's, like, a few other things that happen that we haven't really talked about. Because after Kelly passes out, Brandon comes back out to talk to everybody, and Steve asks him he's like oh is like you and Emily breaking up and like you not getting to be with her is that what happened with the two of you and Brandon's like oh yeah she did get under my skin and I didn't know it was possible to love two people at the same time yeah which I think is an interesting concept because it's kind of different than the whole like the one mentality right like there's Mm -hmm. only one person out there for every person and I do think it's possible to have, like, the capacity in your heart to love two people at the same time. Now, is it entirely the same kind of love? I don't know. But in this case, it seems like it was. Yeah, I think there's a thing of, like, having love for multiple people in your life versus, like, emotionally cheating on somebody, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I think what Brandon did with Emily was emotionally cheating on Kelly. But I also think that Brandon can feel affection for Emily just because of how strong their bond was. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, Brandon thinks Kelly is still in love with Dylan. David thinks Dylan is still in love with Kelly. Same thing. They can have an emotional bond and not be having an emotional affair. Exactly. And then Steve says he still loves everyone. And don't we know it? Oh, yeah. This is not a secret. This is stuff we've talked about forever. Like, He's he even just freely admits like he still pines for Celeste and Val, and then later is just like, well, I'm Kelly. <laughs> like he just goes down the list, and then he's just like blaming on the watermelon. <laughs> I feel like Steve is the friend that just like keeps getting invited because they need six people to film a video, and they're like, who else can we call? Steve. Mm-hmm. He's down like, for everything. <laughs> everyone is having this emotional thing, and he's like. I still care about Val and everyone I feel like should have just turned to him and been like Val? Yeah. Even Val? But no. They're like, oh, I'm gonna go talk about my emotional thing. And then you know, the next morning Kelly wakes up with a raging headache. Brandon's like, I believe that's called a hangover. Mm -hmm. And at, at first she like doesn't remember anything. But then she does and she says that she remembers talking about Emily and going on and on about how much she loves him. And then she apologizes, which I don't obviously love that she had, you know, felt like she had to apologize for that. But I I also feel like that was the most relatable thing that she could have said (laughs) because the amount of times when I am drunk or drinking that I profess my love for people, no matter who it is, but mostly my friends and my husband. Yeah. I feel like I have to apologize the next day. (laughs) Every time I'm like, oh, that was so out of character for me. I'm so sorry about what I did. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, it's like that was out of conscious character. <laughs> Subconsciously, right. I feel all the things all the time. <laughs> yeah. Legitimately. It's like, sorry I got drunk and loved you so much. Yes. Right? Like, sorry I just poured my heart out to you of things that you didn't know that I was already feeling, but I just had to vocalize. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious because I do feel like we always apologize to each other for drunkenly being like, guys, I love you. And I want to tell you every single thing that's happening to me all the time, (laughs) which I do constantly. Constantly. We all do it. 
It's the best. I like I I get so excited when it's not my turn. <laughs> I'm like, finally, it wasn't me. <laughs> it's all of us. I love our group chats of just like I love you so much. It is very like uplifting. You guys it should really see it, is. listeners. That'll be our Patreon feed. We just post screenshots of our text messages. <laughs> you guys are going to be like, whoa, y'all are weird. <laughs> Dramatic readings of our text threads. Oh, man. There are dope ideas in there, though. That's true. That's true. We can't show you. It's proprietary. <laughs> Out in the living room, Steve is, like, making food or cleaning up or something. And he says that he likes that reality got a little warped, which I kind of liked. Mm-hmm. I I thought that was fun. Mm-hmm. And Claire and David are on campus trying to edit the video. And Claire is talking about, like, oh, I really want to use the film where we are ourselves. That's the most real. And then they get into a fight and, like, kind of a pretty bad fight where they both pull up video of each other making out with other people. Yeah, and at this point, I don't think it was mentioned in that previous conversation that Claire saw them kissing. Like, I think she just acknowledged the fact that he was making eyes at her out of, you know, character or not. But Mm -hmm. this is the point where she admits that she actually saw them on the monitor making out. Well, yeah, because I think it starts with, like, her saying she wants to show the real them and then David pulling up her and Steve making out and being like, oh, you mean this? And she's like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're going to go there because do you mean this? Mm Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they, like, they're standing up. They're yelling at each other. And David's like, we should just do something smart and end it. And Claire's like, fine by me. And then we close on David looking at the video of him and Donna making out. Yeah. So Dare is done. I think that's what we called them. It is. Yeah, because we said they were clavid when they're bad. <laughs> well, clavid was clavid this episode. Clavid, clavided hard. They clavided as much as they possibly could clavid. We've seen Dare like literally up until this <laughs> episode and they were like, oh, you want to see clavid? Here you go. Yeah, they went to from Dare to Clavid so, so fast that it was almost whiplash. And now they're just done. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's all going to be very interesting. Like, truly, they're done. We have no idea what's going to happen with Jesse and Andrea. We have no idea what's going to happen with Val and Dylan. Yep. Is Jim going to set boundaries? I don't know. Is he going to demand to see Valerie's bank statement? That's the biggest cliffhanger of them all. Uh, that's my biggest cliffhanger of them all is that the money manager has to set rules for someone who doesn't want rules. Again, I feel like he's like, I just got Dylan in a good place. <laughs> and now this. He's like, this is why nobody gives children millions of dollars. <laughs> I honestly, it cannot have been millions of dollars. Like, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. One, a million. A million. One, what did they call it that time? One, uh, one bill. One bill. Yeah, it was one bill. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention real quick was back when we saw Kelly wake up with her hangover, there was just like, one little like brief thing where I saw the continuity of her burns on her neck, like her scars, and I was like, hey, they could have easily just hidden that with her hair or something, and I was actually kind of happy because we've seen a little sleeve on her wrist the whole time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was just like, hey, I love that continuity. That's great. Right, yeah, the whole time that 
they were play acting as the other people and she had the hat over her hair and her hair like really far down over her neck. I was like, I wonder if they did that just they wouldn't have to do makeup that week. Yeah, it could have been. So do you have a quote of the week? Oh, you know I do. Is it the really long one? Maybe. Is that your guess? No, my, uh, (laughs) I think my only guess is the really long one that I'm not going to repeat just because it was so long, but Brandon going, I'm no Brenda Walsh, but I'm thinking of getting the hang of playing someone obnoxious. I'll say. (laughs) What you got, Mary? So I literally like wrote nothing somehow, um, except for the hotel guy. We accept all major credit cards. Yeah, he just, like, was not playing. Also, that man plays a character, a different character, on Melrose Place for, like, 20 episodes. This man is in everything. He's, like, one of those just, like, always working actor that just, like, is in one or five episodes of random stuff. And he was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That's where I mostly know him from. Aww. I also, I do want to throw out an honorable mention before you say your quote of the week to when Cindy calls Jim about Val moving back in and she goes maybe if we talk to her she'll be different this time (laughs) I forget what Jim even says to that I don't know because I immediately skipped to Val showing up and saying you know it feels really good to be home it's like I never left literally the only other quote I wrote (laughs) yeah (laughs) I just love Cindy I love that Jim's like you just let her back in and she's like maybe she's different She just got a large sum of money and then stayed at a hotel and spent it all. Like, surely she's different now. It's still that Simpsons meme of, like, we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So normally in a normal episode, my quote of the week would be that, like, longer quote by Kelly where she's talking about cheating and infidelity. Infidelity? Infidelity. But, hey, infidelity would have been great for Mm -hmm. Dylan and Kelly. Um, But it's actually just... Kelly yelling into Brandon's ear, tuck, 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 tuck. <laughs> because that felt so unscripted. <laughs> just like, all right, Jenny, just act drunk for a little bit. She was like, ooh, I know that. <laughs> just the adorable, does that bother you? Yes. Like, it was so funny because it was. I don't know. It actually gave me vibes of later on in her career when she's in What I Like About You and she plays drunk. This just feels like Jenny Garth humor to me, and I loved it. I loved it so much. I will, The only thing I didn't like about Kelly Drunk is, like, the baby voice that she gets into. <laughs> it was just a little too much. Yeah, you can definitely tell that's her go-to mm-hmm. for being any sort of cute or adorable or, you know – childlike or drunk apparently it's just a little too baby yeah all right mary what about you um kelly's rant was my moment of the week for sure but actually no um that was completely and fully eclipsed by steve's outfit (laughs) cowboy Cowboy steve Mm -hmm. (laughs) the bolo tie the shirt (laughs) He should never take that shirt off ever in Aww. his life. I loved when he would take the hat off and put it in front of his face. <laughs> he was committed to that role. I loved it. Also, 
his laugh or sorry his crying that he turned into a laugh like <laughs> oh my know. god it was so good it was he somehow so good. like cried in a southern accent <laughs> <laughs> i love that yeah. so much that was great oh all right what's next week and if it's not just titled like the fallout of everyone cheating on everyone i'll be sad <laughs> well i can't tell you what the synopsis is for next week but what i can tell you is that it is season five episode episode 25 double jeopardy and a fun fact is this is rated on imdb the exact same as this week's episode interesting and it was but the both of them are 6.6 .6, and that's i believe one of the higher I, ones i think so oh wow actually love hurts no. was 7.1 interesting i guess sweeps week really worked yeah clearly uh that one is also not on streaming so yep you either need to pull out your dvds or hit up some of those daily motion sites that we would never condone <laughs> i mean double jeopardy i know that actually means something and i can't think of it you can't be i tried twice for the same that's thing it. Yeah, I was going to say something really dumb, but so I won't. But yeah, that was not what I was going to say it was. It's going to be stupid Andrea and Jesse being like, you can't be mad at me for my affair because you had one too. Our affairs cancel each other out. So now we're back to parents of a baby. <laughs> it would be really like out of character and not very adult about it, but I would die if they had like relationship court where they all took each other to court over all of their infidelity oh man i want it yeah and then like i don't know val is the judge because she's as of now the most uh neutral third party yikes i would kind of love to see andrea as a prosecutor against right jesse as an attorney Oh and my just god. Yelling to Brandon about their problems. Right. And Brandon just, has to be the judge, right? Of course. And just yeah. just dress Andrea like Marsha Clark. Yes. yes. And we'll put Steve in a little security outfit. He can be He's the, the bailiff. bailiff. And and Dylan can be the stenographer. Oh man. No, I feel like that's more Claire. No. I well Claire's I gotta be one of the She's a reporter. Oh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. She's okay. a court reporter. So, like, she's going to work with the stenographer. David has to be the stenographer. Yeah. 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 True. Oh, Until yeah. He he was on the internet, so he can at least type. <laughs> <laughs> Until he goes on trial for his own crimes. Right. Oh, yeah. And I guess Dylan would be a witness, wouldn't he? Yeah. I mean, everyone's just going to have to wear a lot of hats. And, you know, if they were going to do that literally where they had to take off hats... I would not be upset about it. Me neither. Put all the hats on Steve. <laughs> <laughs> like, truly. So unprofessional of an episode, but I would die. It would be great. And even if it ended up that that was somebody's dream or like Dylan's hypnotist thing that we're sure is to come, I'd be cool with that too. I would love it so much. Well, I guess we'll find out what Double Jeopardy actually is next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. 
You can shoot us over an email of anything you want, really, your thoughts, your questions, your comments, your concerns. Um, just shoot us over an email to our inbox at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, like, all the different things that you can do in there. Uh, it really helps us get seen. It really helps us build a community. And if you do it, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. So that'd be pretty cool. And until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm going to go spike a watermelon with Everclear. I'm a geezer. I spent all my money. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See ya.